0: What you're about to hear is a new podcast and live stream show entitled In the Open with Luke and Joe. In this series, my co-host Joe Seppi and I bring you conversations with community and technical leaders from the world of open source and enterprise tech. We do this live twice a month on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern time. You can catch us on a variety of streaming platforms or here as a replay on your favorite podcast app. To find out all the details go to ibm.biz forward slash in the open there you will find our show schedule an embedded player of the live streaming video as well as embeds of past episodes or you can link directly to the podcast page with ibm.biz forward slash in the open podcast thanks so much i hope you enjoy our new series in the open with luke and joe
1: Hey, Luke. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you doing, Joe? I'm all right. The weather here is pretty decent. It's uh, not too cold, a little windy, but I think the rain's beyond us, and I'm hoping for a nice afternoon.
0: It is windy here as well, so I, I would say that we're in the same microclimate bubble this week. So
1: Yeah, yeah watch out for the widowmakers. We've got a lot of uh, branches coming down over here. That's a good point.
0: And when we did, uh, actually, I did a call for code hackathon if, two years ago, and that was one of the topics that they were dealing with, was like dealing with those uh, tree branches ahead of time is a big safety concern for, but without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Priyanka Sharma.
2: Hello. Hi. <laughs> that was an amazing intro music and <laughs> introduction graphics and everything. I was like, this is legit.
1: We're, we're pros here. We
0: we do our best. Yeah. Thank and, you. I, yeah. I was a visual effects artist in a a past
1: life.
2: There we go. There we go. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here.
1: Yeah, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. So maybe we could just, I'm
0: sure many of our viewers and listeners are familiar with you, but maybe just start off with a a brief self-introduction.
2: Absolutely. So hello, everyone. I'm Priyanka Sharma, and I'm the general manager of the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, or CNCF. I have been in part of the CNCF community since The very early days of inception, I used to be an open source contributor to the Open Tracing Project, which was the third one to join the foundation. I spent a lot of time spreading the word about observability, about distributed tracing, and really immersing myself in the community. Over time, I eventually became a board member when I was working at GitLab, and I learned about the inner workings of the foundation. And that was very eye-opening, I'll say that. <laughs> and then eventually I was asked to come lead the foundation. And it was truly a d- dream come true, an honor. And here I am, leading the foundation for you and with you and enjoying every minute of it.
0: That's so interesting. And I, I love to hear the threads and the journey that get people where they are. And the fact that you were involved and you are a contributor, you were in open source, so that you really, I imagine you have a lot of empathy and understanding for Everyone within your community.
2: I've been fortunate to have contributed to all kinds of open source projects, all kinds of developer tools. Though that's the intersection of dev tools and open source is where we sit, really, in this infrastructure world. Prior to my cloud native experience, I was doing other dev tool open source stuff, and yes, have seen a lot. I would never be so arrogant as to say have seen it all, but have definitely experienced different types of problems, challenges that people go through, have had to solve them myself when I was a startup founder, when I was helping other startups and then in my role here. It, yes, absolutely. I know the challenges we all go through and the effort we put in to create a better human experience with technology and I'm very proud of what everyone does.
1: That's great. Yeah, I've noticed that too. I work a lot with the OpenJS Foundation, another Linux Foundation org. And it seems like they're good about bringing people in from the community and with experience and and people who really know how to do what's best, I think, for the community and work for the community. So it's great to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. And so maybe can you tell us a little bit more about CNCF and how long it's been around and and what you're excited about and all, all these kinds of things?
2: Yes, absolutely. So CNCF was formed when Google donated the Kubernetes project which I really hope people have heard of. It is container orchestration. Lately, people say it is the container orchestration technology. And that happened more than, was it five years ago at this point? 2016, it was alive. The foundation was already formed. And it, sorry, Kubernetes was our flagship project. And we started there. But very quickly, Dan Kahn and Chris Aniszczyk, who led it together at the time, started bringing in more cloud-native technologies because, What they realized was that Kubernetes can really be a platform-like experience. It can really change the way we do things and fuel this DevOps momentum. To do that, though, there are other technologies that are going to be needed. And so they opened the doors to other projects. We started OpenTracing was the third one to join. Today, we are over 80 projects. So we've made a lot of progress. And we have tiers because we want to highlight to the end users of the maturity level of each project involved. So CNCF has really grown from that time in 2016 to now. We also have changed in terms of the membership. We have over 600 members in the foundation and over 145 of those are end users. End users are the people who are not building cloud-native tech. They're not vendors trying to like offer like a cloud offering or some managed service. But rather, they're building things like financial services. They're building consumer apps. Anybody who's utilizing, that's an end user. And we now actually enjoy the largest end user community of any open source foundation. So CNCF has grown, really matured with today we have hundreds of thousands of contributors across projects from over 170 companies. Our power is because we are diverse. We have diversity powered resilience just on display in CNCF and happy to answer any any areas you want to dig deep into.
1: Yeah I, w- I would love to dig into the diversity aspect but we'll I think we we'll, we'll get into that in a few
2: sure.
1: but that's fascinating. So how many people did how many uh, can you I think did you say 600?
2: member companies over 600 member companies wow
1: that's fascinating it
2: represents all the major cloud hyperscalers it represents most of the people in cloud native who are pushing forward making change so, and we have geographical diversity we have members from china we have members from european countries we have all us members like all over the world
1: yeah that's amazing and and Yeah, the cloud native landscape has just (laughs) been growing. And I mentioned that word and we chuckle because the, what is it? uh, Landscape.cncf.io. That's pretty fascinating just to like, look at that. I mean, it's a little mind boggling and to hear you talk about how many member companies as well, but maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that landscape and like how that's a lot there. And it's something that people usually bring up
2: absolutely as you said the landscape is top of mind for many of us it's because it's it's quite awe inspiring whether you think of it uh, the word awe in positive or negative but it definitely makes an impression and that's because it's full of the logos of all the people doing all the cool things in cloud native It's actually a good thing that it is overwhelming because that just shows the amount of effort and momentum in the community. Actually, Cloud Native is actually the largest, the fastest growing open source community in the world. And that's reflected in the landscape that you see right there. Now, (laughs) uh, people say that, oh, this is so overwhelming. How am I supposed to use this? I will tell you this, this is not supposed to be the first time you learn about cloud data. This is not the place to do that. What this is a good place for though, is once you have understood the definitions, as you can see here, there are, sorry, I'm starting to point. (laughs) There are like categories, right? So you see, for example, image application definition and image build, security, platforms. These are categories which you can filter by. You can also, if you look on the left side, see all these filterings, like you can look at CNCF projects in these categories. You can look, you can do whatever you feel like. So I think this is a good, it's like uh, we used to have encyclopedias back in the day before the internet was all over the place. This is like the cloud native encyclopedia and it can be used as such. And as for the logos over there, by the way, I'll tell you, having your logo there is high value. Many people tell us it is their largest source of referral traffic. So people come to the landscape, utilize it. And if you are working in cloud native, you should have your logo there. If you are searching for something in cloud native, you should check out the landscape
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel funny saying this, but like everybody should be cloud native. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you should be containerizing it and, and being able to to deploy easily right. and scale easily. I think about this because um, a while ago I worked at the New York Times and I, I laughed because when I made my first change and asked my manager how I deploy it. And I, it was on the paywall. So I tested it thoroughly Right, and I asked him how I deploy it. And, and this was a little while ago, but he said, oh, you just FTP up to the server and just copy your file over. And my, my brain oh my exploded, but we worked for a couple of years to really modernize the stack. And we started to implement like containerized solutions. This was back in VMs and Puppet and Chef and stuff. But it was really revolutionary to me to think about being able to work in an environment that you could repeat in terms of development, like to staging and UA and QA testing, and then deploy it to production. It's the kind of the, the same repeatable thing. And then to think about it in terms of scaling, you can just spin up more containers or spin them down, whatever the case may be, or if things are failing. It's a great platform to be working in and everybody should be cloud native for sure.
2: I will say your hope is coming true. And even though we've all had a very challenging time with COVID-19 and the pandemic, that has actually really accelerated the adoption of cloud-native technologies. Um, for example, like in at KubeCon CloudNativeCon next week, there is a keynote by an end user that talks about how they literally grew majority of their cloud-native engineering staff and Built started building that way during the last 18 months. Everywhere you go, right, most workflows have moved online. So Mm -hmm. you have to ship fast and resiliently like for everything now. Um, I was also actually giving a talk at the Cloud Native Data Management Day, which is a co-located event next week. And the whole conversation around, like, stateful needs to happen on Kubernetes. Because as you said, we need to move to Cloud Native for a good human experience with technology. And if we're going to do that, we need to bring the DevOps mindset, the Kubernetes capabilities, but we got to handle the state as well. So I agree 100%. Yeah.
1: We can get into the event in a few minutes, but I'm curious, like what's exciting to you that's happening right now in, in the kind of cloud native space? Are, are there things that have got you really excited?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise it would be a hard job to do it. But no, so much is happening. It would be actually hard to pick some pick one. But really what I'm seeing is, as I mentioned, because of the pandemic, adoption of cloud native accelerated. And what we have seen happen is that our technologies have emerged as the building block of this time period that we have experienced. And with that, as we're looking at future innovation, a lot of it is depending on Kubernetes, on cloud native, and that's really exciting to me. If you look at the co and I'm sorry to bridge to the event next uh, next week, but this is truly part like uh, this is me illustrating the point. Really, if you look at the co-located events that are happening on Monday and Tuesday, there are all kinds of cool new things. There's Kubernetes on AI. There is uh, Kubernetes on Edge. There is a Wasm Day, WebAssembly. There's Rust Day. There is all these cool new ways of utilizing cloud native. And what we're really seeing is that cloud native is becoming the building block of all future innovation. And I think this is my personal take is that this is happening because we are such a community of doers. We are always iterating. That's in our mindset and that makes us move so fast and try all these new things. And that's leading to this, the cloud-native ex-professional, I call it, where it's like people are looking for the cloud-native security developer, cloud-native edge marketer. These like people are starting to look for these skill sets. And that's really exciting to me because that tells me that the best is yet to come.
1: Yeah, and it's it makes me think of like microservices or something too, where the the landscape has gotten specialized in different areas. But that's great because those little areas can really uh, accelerate and evolve and and innovate, and it all brings it all up uh, together. You know,
0: that's a great point. Uh, and I feel like what's interesting is a lot of these concepts that we're seeing play out in cloud native, they're they're not new concepts. They've been ideas like microservices but it's now we're seeing the maturity and the infrastructure to really be able to scale them and and implement them and the one thing i have to mention which i'm just i love about the cloud native community is and i think you you mentioned it earlier when you mentioned a hey i'm excited to hear this presentation from an end user it really is a such a a broad co-creative ecosystem where you're hearing directly from the big cloud providers but all the way through these you know You're saying like niche security folks, niche edge folks, all the way down to end users. And it really is an amazing uh, collaborative environment. And I think a big part of what we want to do on this show is do a cross section and show people, hey, here's how you can participate in these ecosystems. And even if you're not in cloud native, hey, if you're looking to do open source look at this is how it's done and it's so inclusive as we're talking about one form of inclusivity right across the, the spectrum of participants
2: absolutely agree with you these are the communities to get started in because we will welcome you and that's what happened to me right in my life when i joined in i was i didn't know much about infrastructure i was super nervous but everybody i talked to the first meetup i went to actually i was so nervous and people just were like hey come on over hey let's talk and they're bringing me in and they're being so nice and that stuck with me and I stayed all along. And I think that's, that experience is not mine alone. I've seen it mirrored in every like, scholarship recipient. I've seen it mirrored in people who do mentorships with us. And to that point, right, of how to get started, how should someone like think about Cloud Native if you're new. Today, you're lucky because there are so many avenues. Something that we've realized, right? Everybody contributes to technology. Everybody contributes to open source, not just developers. You could be a product person. You could be a marketer. You could be an event organizer. And what we realized is that maybe there needs to be some general education around the topic. So at this time in KubeCon, we're actually piloting a business value subtract where people can go literally learn Cloud Native 101 definitions, what is this terminal, what is Kubernetes, what does DevOps mean, what does Cloud Native mean, learn that and then start internalizing it. There's also conversations around how do you justify using open source in for-profit environments? For people who are very new to our worlds, that, that question is big, even though for us here it's, oh, that debate's been solved. That's not the case for the rest of the world. And so there are conversations like that happening that you can access. There's also education material available, such as we have a Kubernetes edX course that anybody can do, Introduction to Kubernetes Fundamentals. Go learn that. So there are many pathways to knowledge. And when it comes to contribution, Kubernetes particularly has a contributor experience program. And they like really are looking for people to get involved. And I highly recommend people check them out. There's also uh, LFX mentorships that we do, and those are also available. So there are many entry points. Just decide what you want to do. If you have questions, ask anyone in the Twitter community. Tweet me. My Twitter handle is right here. You can DM me. I'll help you out. Someone will help you out, and you can get going.
1: That's really awesome, and, I, and I, we should share some of these resources after the fact as well, because I personally, I, I want some of them because at IBM, we have this uh, jumpstart program that I'm a part of where we, new IBMers, we try to get them involved in open source, and we have internal mentors and uh, weekly meetings, and uh, it's funny the I, I do Node.js and, and JavaScript and like Open.js kind of projects I help folks with. But I just had a meeting yesterday and it's a 90 minute meeting and there's so much of the cloud native landscape that I got like bumped to the very end. And I quickly just chimed in, let's reach out to me for Node.js. But there's so much stuff to do there. And I'm really glad to hear that there's, there are a lot of resources and people do still need to like, I think lobby is not the right word, but advocate for open source internally and within their companies and such. So I'm really glad to hear about those uh, resources that you have and are developing And another thing that I love about it is that we talk about how much there is there, but that's great because you can find different things that you want to do. If you're interested in networking or tracing or any sort of deployment strategies and whatnot, it's a big open buffet and you can just find where you want to eat.
2: Yeah. And I totally see sometimes that can also be overwhelming. You know what I mean? And my advice to people is literally find someone you like on Twitter and tweet at them and ask. Mm-hmm. People will guide you. That's the kind of community we're in. And I, I think yours is the same, Joe, where it's like, just reach out and you will get help. Yep.
0: Yeah. So tell us what to expect from this. And I also have a second question, which is how has the transition been from in person events to virtual events? I imagine it's been a bit of, uh, there's some pros and cons here. But uh, so t- tell us what to expect and tell folks how to register and, and then tell us how it's been transitioning to virtual events.
2: Absolutely. In terms of what to expect, this is very likely our last fully virtual KubeCon Cloud NativeCon. Fingers crossed. Exactly. Fingers crossed. And if that goes through, it's actually a little bittersweet. And the reason it's bittersweet is because the one thing that's happened as we have pivoted to virtual is that we have been able to meet as a much larger community, people from all over the world, regardless of where they're located, have joined in. And that's been amazing. And that's a part of virtual that is unbeatable, the number of people who can attend, the places they can come from. In the future, we'll always have the virtual component, so that's quite nice. But there'll be also the in-person component, which cannot wait, for to be clear. But it's been really nice to meet so many people from so many different places and have so many of these like multi-threaded conversations. So in terms of what to expect, the event is, there's a lot of innovation actually that we have put into the event this time. As always, KubeCon Cloud Native Cons are the largest open source conferences in the world. They're where all of us in the community come together, learn and understand what's the latest and greatest, but also make new friends. What's new this time, I would say, is that in addition to the 101 track, as I was mentioning before, we have a sub track for business value. So, hey, if you're like... So manning the booth if you are making the collateral for kubecon cloud native ask your manager that hey you should get to go too uh so join in another piece is the new student track the whole idea there is again we're all lifelong learners we are all students in at some level or the other if you feel you are at the stage of education where, whether you're self-taught or in a university where you've gotten the fundamentals of computer science, but you haven't really managed a production system before. So you are an early stage learner from, that, from the cloud native point of view. Then the, in the student track, there is, we've marked the sessions we think will be particularly useful for you. There's also going to be like, I can't call it happy hour because no one under 21 should be drinking in the U.S. at least. Different different limits apply. But like a lounge, let's say, like a student's lounge, that's going to be a kickoff where we're going to talk about how to approach the event, what, what to learn, where to go, etc. And to aid all that learning, whether you're a student, whether you're like continuing education, whether you're just trying to change, change, change your area of expertise, we have the certifications that we offer which is certified kubernetes admin certified kubernetes app develop developer and latest is certified kubernetes security specialist all of these you get a discount for when you join when you attend a kubecon because we believe learning is multifaceted so you're attending a kubecon you take these tests you pass them all of this together makes you a strong candidate So those are some fun things that are happening. There's a lot of end-user talks, as per usual. There's uh, a keynote about how telcos and 5G is considering cloud-native. Lots of really fun stuff. So all in all, there's something for everybody. And uh, there's also going to be a a lot of community stuff happening on our CNCF Slack. And the nice thing about that is that your friendships and conversations will persist after the event. So... Those are just some things to know. I couldn't possibly describe everything.
1: That's great. And I think we need to uh, reclaim the happy hour term (laughs) uh,
2: because
1: I want to use it all the time and it doesn't have to be about drinking. So that's all exciting. I was on the LF events page earlier. Are there other events that are a part of it, like a Rust Day and uh, and such?
2: Yes, absolutely. So the Colos. The co-located events are going to happen Monday and Tuesday. As I was mentioning before, they are really good snapshot of all the innovation happening in cloud native right now. And so as there's going to be a Rust Day. There's going to be a PromCon about Prometheus. There's cloud native data management, e- Kubernetes on AI, Kubernetes on Edge. There's a lot of cool, awesome technologies. I recommend everyone check out like a bunch of the colos. I actually, I colo hop. So I recommend the same thing because there's so much fun stuff to learn and I want to sample a lot of it. And then once I've tested the waters, then I like pick a colo to like deep dive into. This is another benefit of virtual, by the way, which is different from in person, you usually go to a room and you commit. So I highly recommend doing that. This there's all sorts of new things to learn.
0: That is a good point. You don't have to, it, usually the conference is so big. It is, it may be half a mile or a mile away, but <laughs> totally. you've got to find it with some sort of. Uh, yeah, map. We
1: work, we work at IBM where huge conferences are, <laughs> are a thing. Oh boy!
2: Yeah, even like the in the in person, like I remember the most popular colos, they just get full. Like you can't enter for fire hazard reasons. So none of that anymore.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's really great. That's one of the the, the benefits of virtual. Although I I am looking forward to seeing all my friends and colleagues, wow. and I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Luke, did you did you have something you want to say?
0: I was gonna. We talked about the diversity within. The community of cloud native, but I also wanted to maybe pivot and shift a little bit. I read your blog post recently, and it was fantastic. And I think there's so much interesting, interesting and important work that's going on around diversity and inclusion within the tech world. I thought maybe we could dig into that a little bit.
2: Absolutely, happy to. So should, I'll just share my broad take on DEI and cloud native. This foundation in particular Linux Foundation in general, these organizations do a lot to make sure there's diversity, equity, and inclusion in technology. And the interesting thing about them is how they do it. There is, of course, the need for reports, numbers, statistics. But in addition to that, you need a commitment to every day, every interaction you have, make an effort to include someone make an effort to bring someone in to the fold and it's very hard to go steps of efforts into stats but i think all those uh, in addition to programs make a huge difference and i've seen that happen at linux foundation at cncf i was a recipient of all the effort dan khan our previous term executive director gm used to put into diversity and inclusion he would Every time I'd reach out, I'd meet a friendly face. He would open up doors, or he would open up opportunities. He'd be like, "Oh, this would be good for your interests. Try this out." And he did all of that. In addition to what we do, with we have a goal this year to have hundred mentorships done for people, and we prioritize DNI applicants. We have need based scholarships same applies for KubeCon, cloud Native cons we have scholarships based on dei and need based and so uh, those are efforts we do programmatically and as individuals as leaders in our roles we push me and Chris every day to help anyone we can to push the push someone's career forward and that's been really rewarding for me I've been a recipient of it I want to pay it forward and I think there's just Open source is, has proven that the more diverse people you have involved, and this diversity can be demographic, it can be geographic, it can literally be just time zones. And the more different people are involved, the better the outcome is. And that's our approach. And that's what we do. And I'm happy to like, jump into the blog post specifically or uh, also like any programs of interest to you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think about and this is a really simple and perhaps passive way, but like when we were meeting in person, the idea of a Pac-Man circle you always leave room for someone to step in and join the conversation. But I think being proactive and doing that in, in a variety of other ways is, is really makes sense. And I agree with you, like open source, it's a great place to get involved. And I, I find that like, note is a little bit daunting to get involved, but what I've been encouraging people to do is to get involved in like working groups and then you get to know the people and then they support you and we all work together and try to help uh, each other be successful.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. And something that happens with diversity is, it's what I wrote my blog post about, is you have different opinions and that can be uncomfortable. Diversity can create conflict. But my humble opinion is that's a good thing because you can hash out all kinds of ideas if you're just comfortable with someone thinking very differently from you. And I think to create a truly inclusive workplace, leaders need to get comfortable themselves first with conflict and making it constructive and then encouraging the right behaviors so that people can come speak their mind, even if it's completely different from what the leader thinks, what the peers think and discuss it through. I think I personally have a like hit or miss relationship with conflict and it's like evolving, but it's just something I have noticed that like cultures that allow For that emotional vulnerability almost that you have to be in conflict with someone, they as long as it's done in a respectful manner, they definitely do better. I've enjoyed working at places like that better. And I highly encourage anyone who's thinking about, hey, what are the challenges of diversity? A lot of it can be you may be doing all the right things, having the right programs, but... Maybe because of a fear of conflict, people are not comfortable expressing their views. Then you are not getting the benefit of diversity, even if you have a lot of diverse people. I highly encourage people to think about that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think whenever you're challenged, isn't maybe the right word, but just when people are using the word conflict, so when there's some sort of conflict that's different than what you're thinking or imagining or or whatnot, I think it's it can be very creative and help you to think through things in a different lens and, and hopefully move things forward and, and uh, make things more positive.
2: Yeah, I'll just give you the example that I have in the blog post, which is end of last year, I was like, okay, we've done so much. We had done like two virtual events, full pivot, back to back. But I was new to the role, ready to prove myself further and further. I was like, okay, next year we're going to do all these other great things. And my team pushed back on me. And they were like, hold up. This has been a challenging year. We've already done so much back-to-back. We need to take a step back and think this through in greater detail. And at first I was like, oh, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But it's they pushed back and I was the right thing to do. And what it led to was because I realized that I was in such a different place from where my team was. And everybody seemed to be on some level of the spectrum that it was just apparent that we have to have the uncomfortable conversations. And it also exposed the uncomfortable truth that we didn't have a good process for planning. And so what we ended up doing is like a lot of one-on-one conversations about, hey, what do you want to accomplish? What do I want to accomplish? Where are we burned out? Where are we afraid? What are the resources we have, including ourselves? Are we operating 100%? Are we operating 50%? Because we've all struggled too. And having that little of depth in the conversation really gave me a reality check on how I can actually achieve the best case scenario by being cognizant of our human challenges. And all of that ultimately led to a public OKR presentation that we shared with our board, we shared with other people. So now we're all moving together and it all happened because there was conflict on the team and we were able to harness. it.
0: I love that post because it puts forward the, the idea and I think we're familiar with other parts of our lives, this, that you have to do the work. Maybe an analogy yeah. of like, fitness or even your personal relationships you can't (laughs) just assume that like oh like whatever it is whether it's it's a marriage or a business relationship that there's always work that needs to be done and then this one is maybe it's a little more complicated because it's organizational it's community it's one-on-one but yeah the, the work has to be done but I love this idea of don't be afraid of the conflict conflict is part of that process and yes it may be uncomfortable but you just need to to face that and work through it and
2: it's Yeah, positive outcomes. It's even like this message, right? That conflict's comfortable. I wrote the blog post and I have to remind myself all the time. And I'm actually glad this blog post has come up multiple times in conversations because I often, even after having thought this through to this point, it bogs you down. It depends on people's nature. But in my case, it bogs me down when I'm like, oh, I hate conflict. Why can't we all be happy, friendly, happy family? Reality is to be the happy family, you have to accept the conflict and just having this front and center, talking about it, being open about it, I think really helps really internalize.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important. And I'm glad to hear that you have a, a team that feels comfortable being able to express themselves. Cause I think that's, that's half of it too, is people yes. need to be comfortable to do that.
2: Yeah. Otherwise, if they're not, then you can hire the most diverse staff in the world and you don't get any results. So what was all that effort for nothing and people aren't happy.
1: Yeah, and I think share the load too, right? You don't have to take on all the conflict. It's great that your team feels comfortable, but we can all kind of work together to to get yes. to where we need to go.
2: Let's find solutions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: Yeah, that is a good point about wherever
0: you're sitting, whether it's your company or within the community, yeah, don't try to bear the weight of the world on your shoulders. If, if there is some situation that's really uncomfortable, loop in with someone who's in a leadership yeah. position from the context of where you're talking and- Get a reality check and get some guidance and leadership there.
2: Absolutely, the the weight of the world is heavy. There's no chance one person can carry it all, and you wouldn't want to carry it all. Be honest; it'll you'll burn out, and that's the number one thing to remember: is that nothing is worth burning out. That's been my big learning in this (laughs) journey over the past few years.
0: Yeah, especially with the pandemic, I've actually been so surprised and. It's been heartening to see actually how compassionate leaders within you know my company and my team have been, especially to those like right now being hard hit in in Brazil and India, and how you know yeah. we need to it, it's yeah companies have a reputation for being heartless, but they're made up of people and yes. we work and we build these you know structures, and I think it's getting better and better, and just it yeah heartening to see how much compassion is even coming from what's supposed to be maybe not personable
2: yeah no i think team cloud native and i was so impressed by how people have really supported each other over the last year and to use the very current story of our time which is what's happening in india as an example i've been on twitter like crazy just learning as much as i can helping where and i'm seeing like people who frankly i had no idea they would you know have much knowledge about what's happening uh what what the subcontinent is etc like jumping in, being like, no, I'm calling my lawmaker, a local congressperson to be like, we need to help this situation there. And people are like getting together, corralling, helping out as much as possible. And then there's like personal stories as well as the macro conditions. And everywhere there is just support and love. And that's the type of world we want to be part of. And open source plus pandemic, life has become very blurred. What is work? What is personal? And we're seeing actually the best of that come out in these trying times where people are like, hey, I worked with you to learn about certifications. Now I hear your terrible story of what's happening at home. Let me go help out in this way. Let me go do this. And it just makes me truly believe in our community, in the way we operate and what we're going to do for each other forever.
0: That's yeah, that's this is fantastic. I'm glad we and I'm glad we have a platform where we can talk about this. And I hope that it, it helps folks find their way from where they are in, in this complexity. Something else related I wanted to ask you about. I know you're doing a lot of work on inclusive naming and making sure that the language that we're using in the workplace is structured yes. so that it's considerate to where people are coming from. Could you tell us a little bit about that work?
2: Absolutely, I'd be delighted to. So I'm so proud of the community's work on this one. So as part of diversity, equity, and inclusion, you want to make people feel welcome and comfortable. And especially in light of what happened last year with the murder of George Floyd and the protests after that, there was a reawakening in our community that we have terms in our code bases, which is our output. Our creation is our code. In that, we have racist terminology. We have master-slave. We have white-list, black And there's all other kinds of problematic stuff out there. How can we let that be? How can we be okay with that? And we decided we, enough was enough. And inclusive naming was born because we saw this empty space of, there's some people who are part of a debate about what's worth it, what's not worth it, should changes be made. But if you move past that, there is a now a critical mass of people who want to make the change, who want their code bases to not be racist. And they're looking for guidance and support on how to do it. So we leveraged the effort that was going on in the Kubernetes language work stream and all the effort they are done and brought in other partners such as IBM, who's done so much, Cisco, many other companies today, like it's like literally like hundreds of people from probably the, just that, much, that many companies in the effort. And our goal is to provide the people process tools of how to make changes so that you don't make breaking changes. Because you're not just changing a word, you're changing a technology. (laughs) You're changing something that connects across different code bases. There's upstream, downstream issues to think about. And so inclusive naming is that grassroots initiative. We were recently mentioned actually in the New York Times, which was a huge honor. Yeah, there was an article about just how important this change is, what's happening in different organizations about this. And inclusive naming was shared as a shining light of people coming together and getting it done the right way. So that's inclusive naming. If anyone, thank you for putting the uh, URL over here. If anyone's interested, check us out. We meet bi-weekly and you can come in to share what your company has done or what your uh, other organization has done. You can come to ask questions you can come to get deeply involved and become part of a work stream. Any level of commitment and interest is welcome. We are here to just make our code bases a better place, starting with master, slave, whitelist, blacklist, but going beyond that to determine how do you evaluate terminology to be good or bad if it affects a certain part of your community? And then how do you keep diversity, inclusion, equity? This is all like a ever you're always on the journey you're never going to be like we're done now and so the I and I will help you always be inclusive and always have uh, terminology and code that welcome
1: that's really great I fully support that we've been working on it in, in openjs foundation and the node yeah. platform and, and you're right it's not always easy like we have some build systems that we need to make changes to to get these changes fully propagated but, but it's definitely worth the, the energy and the effort.
2: Exactly, because that's what I've seen sometimes when people argue about what can be done. It's, oh, but this would break, that would break. It's, yeah, people make breaking changes for things all the time. Just follow the process to (laughs) do it. And I think the good news is we're at a point in time in technology that we have negated that argument that, oh, this will make breaking changes. Yes, so do other things. Let's follow the process.
1: It's funny, too, because it's we're talking about technology like, oh, making this change is going to break something. But in the real world, I think that's what people struggle with. Trying to grow in that way is, is not always easy, but you've got to put in the effort and it's worth it.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: W- one of the sayings that we get from our um, senior vice president, Bob Lord, is we need problem solvers, not problem explainers.
2: I love it. I love it.
0: <laughs> that's great. So I also want to mention here to our listeners, if you have any questions, feel free to drop them in the chat on whatever platform you're watching on, and we'll get to those at the end. I see we have about about 15, 12, 15 minutes left, so I, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned... I know I had discovered that you do a quarterly report called the technology radar. And I wanted to make sure that we we get this topic in here. Could you tell us a little bit about this publication? And I feel like this is besides obviously attending KubeCon, this is one of the places if you want to stay current, if you want to stay plugged in, keeping plugged into the technology radar is the thick way to do it.
2: Absolutely. So I am so proud of the team for coming up with the tech radars. It's Cheryl Hung's brainchild. She is our VP of Ecosystem. She does a great job running the end user community. The idea behind the radars is that we pick a specific aspect of technology, whether let's say storage or CICD or CD. We'll pick some technology area and a task force will assemble of end users in the CNCF and they will evaluate a bunch of different products, open source projects, anything available in the space and share whether it's something they have tried this, it was amazing and go for it in full production mode or worth checking out but needs to figure out some cakes or a little early stage. And so what the radar does is provide an unfiltered view from directly from the end user's mouth of what they have tried and what the results have been. And so other people who are looking at solutions in this space, in a technology area can look at the radars, learn from other people's experiences, and shortcut their path to success. So it's highly useful, especially when you are going to, if you're in like the building phase of your cloud native setup in a company. And to that point, I would also like to add that the people who put this radar together, the end user community they themselves are just so valuable to connect with, be a part of. So I highly recommend if anyone's out there wanting to find a peer group, right, where they can just talk about how are you implementing this today, then consider the end user community at CNCF. Anyone who doesn't sell cloud native products is welcome to join the end user groups. And these are vendor free environments. You have private meetings where you just talk about real talk of what's going on, what to choose, how, how to think about things. So I highly would recommend checking out the CNCF end user community.
0: That's awesome. And that, that's actually an aspect I wasn't aware of. How And and I would, to echo that point, building your network, this is like re- developer real talk, right? Like building yes. your network. A lot of times technical folks, we can be really, it's, we, we're to ourselves, but like whether it's in the real events or in these virtual events and virtual communities, I must say the best advancements in my career, the best things that have happened in my life have not been through a, a, a random job application submission exactly. or or through a post. It's been through building that network and getting to know people, or, or like you're saying, getting plugged in at that level and finding yes. out at the source, here's what's going on. And now a, a light bulb goes off and you know where to look.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You and I, we met at Open Source Summit, right? In uh, Lyon, I think. Yeah. And that was awesome. and That was the beginning of a friendship of knowing each other, and we've now talked multiple times uh, in my different roles, and it's been just such a fun journey because I'm like, oh, I know Luke, and now I'm getting to know Joe, and you go from there, and I think that's the best thing about our ecosystem.
0: It's true, and I would also to to reflect back on the landscape. You can look at something like cloud native that seems so daunting. But really, as you follow your interests, it does segment down and it's manageable communities within that. So, Oh, totally. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think our structuring has been really good on that front right? because we have the special interest groups and the working groups and they're very clear, right? SIG like, networking and Kubernetes is talking about networking. Uh, a lot of times they're talking about service mesh stuff, etc. cetera. Uh, CNF working group is talking about cloud native network functions, which is very relevant to telcos. And so... You can identify what's most important to you pretty quickly and go focus over there. And then what you'll find, it's interesting, is that you'll have some questions or things to consider that are working, being worked on in a different working group. So then you go talk to them and then you've just expanded your network. And this is how friendships are made, job opportunities come about. It's, it's pretty cool how it all works out.
0: Which reminds me too. I wanted to bring up, make sure we mentioned uh, DevStats because I. Yes. This is like the the counterpart to the landscape where you can actually see the the inner workings of who's working on what and what level. So let's talk about that. I'm going to put it up on the
1: screen.
2: Yes, please, thank you. So DevStats is a great place to go and learn about the numbers behind all the cloud-native community. So you see here um, on the screen again, I started pointing, sorry um, (laughs) that there was various projects. And then what did you click into? Sorry, I missed that. I
0: clicked on the Kubernetes. I thought that Ah, was a good one.
2: Yeah, no, so there's all this information over here, but key by the way, you don't even have to use this dashboard. You can just use the APIs to programmatically get the information. If you actually go scroll down, if you don't mind, Luke, Mm-hmm. Thank you. You can look if you click on all CNCF. I, bad direction. I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I can go back. Yes. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So you see here, like there's database dumps available and then there's the API. Again, pointing. No one can see that. And uh, it's documented. So you can just use this to get the information that you want to pull. And then there was this thing I wanted to show you. Let me, I always forget where it is, but I'm actually going to pull dev stats up on my computer. But it's like you can check out over here by the numbers every day where, for example, uh, is the community in terms of diversity even. So I'm going to tell you where it is in a second. So if you click on the all CNCF one and then then scroll down. Yeah. So here are some like pre-made dashboards to look at. Mm -hmm. So you can look if you see here, like you can see the contributor chart, you can see contributor map. And tells you some really interesting numbers. it's always like up and to the right, which is quite nice. And there are ways to pull all-time data as well. It's not shown here, but you can pull all-time data. You can also like, if you, if you go back, you'll see like number of countries represented. All, there's very much fun information here, actually. Let's see. Countries would be... Yeah, let's check that out. And so, yeah, there you go. So you see like, China we're seeing is number two. Germany is number three. India is number four, US is number one. So it's like all this information is at your fingertips. Anyone in the world, go check it out. So it can be pretty fun look.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. We're trying at the OpenJS Foundation to pull some inspiration from here to, to show similar stats for our projects and, and landscape.
2: Absolutely, and Joe in general, like anything we can do from the cloud native side to support the OpenJS Foundation, we'd love to.
1: Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that I would love to talk with you about, maybe you and me and and Robin and, and whomever. Yes,
2: I love Robin. She's yes. so awesome.
1: She's wonderful. I love that when I'll have meetings, I'll arrange meetings with IBM and the foundation and the IBMers will talk about their team. And then Robin will talk about her team and she always includes me and in her team. <laughs> It's really fun. But yeah, like the diversity uh work that, that you all have been doing. We've been doing stuff on our end too. I'd love to uh get together and, and share notes on that, but also this the devstat stuff too, for sure. It's great.
2: Absolutely. Here-
1: great. great, great, great.
0: So I wanted to mention the Slack channel as well. This is this goes obviously 365 24-7, but for next week for uh kubecon this is obviously a place that people are going to be yeah. instead of being in the hallway track they're going to they be in the this hallway spot.
2: exactly this is
0: the hallway track here so definitely exactly. check that out and let me bring up the link again for the uh, shortened link for it, folks it's easy enough to find through a, a web search but here's an easy link for folks who may want to i mean still time to register yes. uh, please check it out and uh, we i wanted to mention we didn't have a, a question but we have a uh, Tynwa 3 says, oh, hey, it's Priyanka. Cool. That was from <laughs> Twitch. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Joe. Joe brought it up on the screen.
2: Oh, that's cool. You can do that. That's nice. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a new feature we discovered recently.
2: Oh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it's so fun
0: it's yeah let's do it again maybe uh later in the year after some things happen it'd be great to, to check back and uh, hopefully uh, maybe we could even do it live from uh, from an actual KubeCon. that would be amazing
2: KubeCon yes. north america is in la and it is uh, i think 11th to 15th of october and it's expected fingers crossed all things proceeding as expected to be a hybrid event with a signal like a, with a real amount of people in person in la so let's aim for that for sure yeah
1: for sure i'm putting it on my calendar right now. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) thank, Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Have a good one, folks.
1: Thank you. Cheers.
2: Bye.